Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the great Muppet caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And we are very excited today that our guest from last week is back with us again. Introduce yourself, please, guest. Hello, I am still Tansy Rainer Roberts. Thank you for coming back. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course. And uh, today we are looking at minutes 21 and 22 of The Great Muppet Caper, in which Lady Holiday uh, briefs Miss Piggy on her duties for the next hour, and Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo arrive at the office. Uh, so in our in the last clip, uh, Lady Holiday uh, hired Miss Piggy as her new receptionist, and now Piggy is demonstrating that she is very good at sitting. Uh, there's this little exchange I love where Lady Holiday asks if Piggy is under control, and Piggy <laughs> makes this little squealing noise, like she's trying oh. really hard not to keep screaming. So adorable. Yes, that's a good word for it. It's it's adorable. It's endearing. It's it's just very funny. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we were talking about last week. It, it's nice to have her fangirling over a impressive woman instead of you know quietly trying plotting her murder. Um, right. <laughs> And of course, that we've got Diana Rigg being so withering, which is something that she does very well. And that Miss Piggy isn't her, her feelings aren't hurt. She doesn't mind. She would rather basically the fact that that Lady Holiday is kind of being very sarcastic at her is in itself like quite exciting to her. It's like if a celebrity <laughs> is rude to you and you're like, ah, awesome. That's yeah. my story for the next twenty years. Like, oh, I just you got know? I just got insulted by that famous person. Yeah, Madonna just spilled a cup of coffee on me. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, it, it's a little bit like that. Like she's just so excited. Uh, and there's also this that the, the the insulting tone of uh, Lady Holiday is not sinking in. Perhaps. Um, oh no, she's thrilled by all of it. Yeah. yeah, it's just very exciting. Yeah. Um, so uh, Lady Holiday is gonna uh, go out to lunch with her brother. She's going to tell Miss Piggy here in a minute um, to answer the phone and straighten up the office. But first, she tells Miss Piggy way more than necessary about her brother, Nikki. <laughs> she uh, tells her exactly the necessary amount of information that we need about everything. her brother, Nikki. <laughs> yeah. And I, so this is where we have Piggy asking, why are you telling me all this? And Lady Holiday says, it's plot exposition. It has to go somewhere. I feel like this is possibly the most frequently quoted line or joke from this yeah. movie. I think well, maybe writers uh, love this line because they wish that they could get away with this, but most movies don't have this kind of self-aware tone. But in this movie, you can get away with it. Well, right. It, and and this movie already did it. So like, right. you're just ripping off the great Muppet Keeper if you do that joke. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's such a glorious scene, though. Like, the exposition itself... Um, I'd forgotten about the exposition joke. I'm just like watching Dynamic and the exposition just keeps coming. It Don't does cut back just... to Piggy at one point, kind of making a yeah. face like, what? It does, but that's because the scene is so long, but she like, she gets up, she moves across the room, she touches props. Uh, they go from a long shot to a mid shot, like so much stuff happens. And yes, it cuts to Miss Piggy and then back again because she's still talking and she pauses right. here and there, but then she always continues. It's basically, I actually... Um, I transcribed it because I was kind of, you know, tracking this. It's a seven, li it came up with seven lines of typing. Wow. Uh, all one <laughs> sentence because she, <laughs> pretty close, it's almost one one sentence because she, every now and then she pauses. 
But then she continues as if it's still part of the same thought. And she makes it all look as if it's naturally coming out of her. Right, this thing of a right. brilliant actress. Yeah, that's true. She just right. And she keeps pausing and then adding well, a bit more thing and just another detail and another and, detail. And, oh. like, and even her delivery of it's plot exposition, it has to go somewhere, yeah. is so casual and off the cuff. Right. She's yeah. just kind of like, eh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, like even yeah. there, she, she's not like, like hitting the joke with a sledgehammer. Which makes it doesn't it so much feel funnier. like it's scripted. It feels like it's because she just the way she is presenting this information, uh, it just feels so natural, and it just yeah. goes on for so long. Right. Well, well, and I, I love that the line that finally makes Piggy ask, "Why are you telling me this?" is I don't know why his bow, tra- bow ties are always crooked. Yeah, like, the last <laughs> Clearly, she has to vent. I mean, it's not like she's friends with her models. She needs someone to talk to about her terrible brother, Nikki. Um, I also love, like, it's not just exposition. It's there are so many little phrasings and things that just add so much character to what she's saying. Like, she just starts off telling her, I'll be having lunch with my brother, Nikki, and then he's second in command. This is information that's necessary to be speaking. But going straight to, he's an irresponsible parasite. (laughs) You know, I had to bring him to the business because he squandered his half of the inheritance. There's so much information here. Uh, It's just lovely yeah you're right it's 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 more uh descriptive and and pointed than even if she was gonna tell piggy like oh i'm going out to lunch with my brother i don't like him that much like yeah this is it's it's much more there's much more uh weight to it than is necessary too absolutely this whole backstory uh the the fact as well like he squandered his half of the inheritance which implies that lady halliday of course who has a business empire with her fashion house she spent her inheritance on her business so or or she at least you know she used it productively she invested it and still has plenty of money like she's not short on funds uh the fact that she as a person is willing to or she feels obliged to take her a feckless brother in and, and support him despite the fact that he behaves terribly. There's a yeah. lot of character happening. You know, they always say for good writing, you shouldn't have any scene in your in your story that doesn't both uh, develop character and push the story forward. Ideally, it should do both. It has to do at least one of those things or you need to cut the scene. This actually is working pretty hard for basic exposition. Well, it, yeah, it, we... it tells us a lot about Nikki, for sure. Yeah, but it also, I think it also tells us quite a bit about Lady Holiday. Yes, that's true. And, and who she is and the, the choices she has made. Uh, and, of course, we get to talk about the, the, the most valuable, largest jewel. Like, does she say <laughs> that every time she talks about it? Of course, think- my most valuable and largest jewel, the you know, the fabulous baseball diamond. Right. Yeah, it's she, always the fabulous baseball diamond. It's always diamond. the fabulous baseball diamond, yeah. And yeah. this is the like- first time we're hearing of that, too, I believe. Yep, it is. Yeah, so that's important exposition. And the thing is, we don't actually know yet that the guy who robbed her in the opening number was her brother. We won't really, we won't, I don't think we see him again until the Dubonnet Club later, right? Uh, is that right? I we'll see, so. I guess. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. So well, I guess I... for people who saw this in the theater for the first time, they, they didn't know yet until they saw him in a later scene and they were able to go, oh, that's the same guy. They, they were like, oh, Charles Grodin. Yeah, they're both the Charles Grodin. Kid. Right. Was he wearing yeah. a bow tie in the opening scene? I don't think so, but he was wearing <laughs> flowered socks. Okay. <laughs> because now the thing that I'm, in fact, going to have to go and watch this movie when we're done here, because I desperately actually want to know if his bow ties are always going to be crooked, because that's something I feel needs to be followed through. Oh, yeah. I'm going to keep an eye out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Because if Diana Rigg tells me something, I want to believe it. Of course. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, is this also the only time that Lady Holiday is aware that she's in a movie? Because the Muppets are constantly aware. But uh, for other characters, it kind of comes and goes. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's quite rare with humans, isn't it? Because it's, it's almost like they don't get to be that funny. So right. actually having that extra meta level is usually the superpower just for the Muppets. Uh, mainly because the humans are usually the straight person. Um, right. You know, as in they, they, they're they the ones that the jokes play off and they get to look – looking confused is often the part that they're given. Right. And there's yeah, a, no, I, I can think of one instance of that, that that's coming later in the movie, but – yeah, I think she might she might actually be the only human star who is actively aware that that they're in a movie. Well, but yeah. Charles Grodin does it later. Oh, what is he? Well, you just have to keep a tally as you go. Uh, Kermit's Piggy says, "Why are you doing this?" And he says, "I'm a bad guy, pure and simple." Like I feel like uh, that's he, that's his function in the script, right? That's not he's like acknowledging that he's the antagonist. Yeah, yeah. See, now I'm thinking All of right. the really the, the the modern Muppets movie with the um. Uh, the song about being a bad guy, <laughs> like tragic backstory song. But anyway, oh the the Chris Cooper one, that yes, song? the Chris Cooper yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Which amazingly, the song that is presented in the movie doesn't like it's only I think a little bit. But then on the album, which my family <laughs> listened to a zillion times, the song on the album gives the entire backstory, and I'm just like, why was that song not in the film? Yeah, well, a lot of one of many baffling uh, cuts to that movie. Well, and even yeah. on the DVD, they have the full scene as an extra, but they didn't incorporate it back into the movie, which I think is a real shame. It's a shame. really like, important scene. Like, yeah, it's like, motivation. I really wish there was a way, like a, a fan edit. With, I wish there was a fan edit with that whole scene back in and like maybe 40% less Jason Siegel. But. Aww, but fair. Yeah. But no, it's because, yeah, just, just it, was, it was one of those bewildering things about listening to the album, which I did a lot. Um, yeah, no, sorry. The <laughs> I'm going to say we, we've got to at least, uh, if if you haven't um, discussed this before, the baseball diamond. Like, it's <laughs> so silly. Easy, it's such an easy joke, but it's such a great joke. Well, and I don't like, know how old I was before I actually realized that that was a joke. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, oh, I... as a, you know, as a five-year-old kid, I didn't really know what a baseball... It also probably doesn't help that I'm not and have never really been into sports at all. For sure. See, so... like, I, I grew up with a bunch of brothers who are, like... Literally, my brother's senior yearbook shows him, my two younger brothers, standing in their baseball jerseys, and the caption is, the Strand brothers are baseball fiends. <laughs> so so you, you spent some time around baseball diamonds. Yeah, so I got that joke as a kid. Oh, there you See, go. As an Australian, um, we, we don't really have a baseball culture much at all. Sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure that like I didn't get the reference until many, many, many years later. Possibly the other way around of like, oh, that's what a baseball diamond is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, because we, we don't have baseball in Australia. We have all the other sports. <laughs> I, sure. I assume you have cricket. We do. We have a lot of cricket. And rugby. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. I, um, we don't we have, have those we have, things. Yeah, we have several several kinds of football. Um, but, yeah, no, we, we, we just don't do baseball. Um, so in a previous episode, I mentioned that um, early in the, the sort of development process, it was reported uh, that this movie was going to feature Lauren Bacall in the basically the, what was ended up being the Lady Holiday role. 
Okay. Yeah, she was that would be... also be great casting. But... Yeah, it would have been fun to see. She was going to be the aunt to the character who would end up being uh, Nikki Holiday. But um, it's it's interesting, as recently as that uh, July 22nd, 1980 draft of the screenplay that I've been referring to, uh, th- they still referred to Lady Holiday as Nikki's aunt. So I don't know if they hadn't cast uh, Diana Rigg and Charles Grodin yet, or they weren't sure who they were going to cast, but they were still thinking of that relationship as being a nephew and an aunt. I suppose, yeah, it would depend not just on who they cast in one part, but who they cast in the other as well, because, I mean, right. you know, not Diana Rigg at this point in her career is probably old enough to be somebody's aunt, if not right, to go She's Don't actually, she's yeah. actually younger than Charles Grodin by three years. So, oh, well, there you go. But <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. she 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 could she could carry it off if it was, for instance, if they decided to cast him younger. Right, um, right. You know, if, they if could they have they gone did. with like a teenager or a like early twenty something feckless youth type. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that, would have that been could have been too. Yeah, uh, right. probably depending on. I mean, who 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 could they have got at that? Um, as you know, a, I'm just thinking a young River Phoenix. No, too young. Well, he's too uh, yeah, young. Too um, young. I, I don't know. Somebody like around twenty years old, maybe. Yeah, somebody yeah. like um, uh, no. See, again, I was thinking like Jason Bateman, too young. He too was young. he was a baby. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I Even mean, Peter Sutherland probably too young. But you know, one of that sort of. All right, well, listeners, one tell of those us. Eighties actors. Tell- <laughs> Listeners, tell us in the comments which uh, actor in their late teens or early twenties you would like to have seen. You, uh, you guys, it's right there. Mark Hamill. Oh <gasps> yeah. Oh yeah. He would have. Yeah, he would have jumped so, at the chance to if play you that had role. Had Mark Hamill, you really would have to keep it as brother and sister and have Carrie Fisher as well. Because can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that would have been, been a beautiful that. thing. That would have been. Just, hang on, was this before or after Jedi? Because that would have been even this was, better. This was before <laughs> Jedi. This this came about uh, uh, in eighty one. So uh, uh, Jedi was eighty three. See, it would have been a hilarious, hilarious thing if <laughs> I was like, hang on, our movie's just been spoiled by the yeah, Muppet. Wow, two years well. early. Right, and and of course, Miss yeah, Piggy no, is Yoda. So so there's that too. <laughs> mm, so there's yeah. somewhere there's an alternate universe where that happened and. And Absolutely, loved that movie. But we love <laughs> yep. this movie too. <laughs> and in this movie, uh, Lady Holiday just kind of takes off and leaves Piggy alone in the office. Which, like, she seems very surprisingly confident in this stranger whom she just met and just hired. Yes. to leave her in charge of the office for an hour, and you know, there's all it these is, expensive looking things around. Like the fact that, like, was it established that she needed a receptionist? I mean, clearly she. Why does she not already have no. what happened to the last receptionist? Is it like Murphy Brown, where she like needs a new one every every few days? No, she, she hadn't mentioned it until she told Piggy that she had the job. So yeah, like the it is a very cute scene though with with, with Piggy left on her own in this beautiful spacious office, and she immediately well, like makes herself comfortable, and well, she says, "I'm so happy for me." It's a lo- cute line. I love how confident she is in her own like. As um as a lady holiday tells her what to do, she does this like adorable little head shake and says, "Consider it done," and then yeah. tells her not to sweat. And I yes. love the I love the phrasing of "not to sweat." Yes, yeah. I she really doesn't say do "don't think... sweat it." She just says "not to sweat." 
there's mm-hmm. a pause and I really did think at that point that she was going to get lectured about, you know, one of these like ladies don't sweat, they perspire kind of lines. <laughs> like I, it almost felt like I could see it going through Diana Rigg's eyes, but then she just left. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. Although she gives, her, she gives her a very friendly smile on the way out the door, which is yeah. kind of startling. Right. That's like. what I'm saying. She, she seems very confident in the abilities yep. of this person that she just met, this strange <laughs> pig. <laughs> She does. Yeah, well, like, she clearly knew that Miss Piggy was like gonna be a great worker and really kind of support her in her business and just be very professional. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, yeah. Not try to steal her identity. And this is where we <laughs> this is where we get from Miss Piggy the the confirmation that yes, she thoroughly believes that being the receptionist is the first step. She's like, yes, this will is me becoming a famous model. You know, Miss Piggy, you are on your way. That's yeah. Yeah, right. and I, I like the little when she throws her hat. She's just <laughs> so happy that she's she, well, she's she's on this path to modeling superstardom. My favorite, yeah. my my favorite bit is that she says, "Oh boy, oh boy, boy." <laughs> yep. Also, just the whole like throwing of the hat when you get you know again you know you, you, you're talking last week about good puppet moments it's one of those like that's actually probably quite a difficult trick to do the whole like having her throw and the hat yeah i i it guess shows the hat was not attached as well which frankly, no i guess I, i'm not exactly that. sure how they did that because <laughs> it was at quite an angle was there a lot of velcro i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> mm. yeah and i i would assume that this is the kind of thing where there was another well, puppeteer actually on her left hand I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. And it looks like her hand and the hat completely drop out of frame. Ah. So I kind of wonder if Frank Oz didn't just like take it out of her hand and throw it up. Oh, yeah. Or maybe yeah. another puppeteer down there threw it up. You know? Yeah. And then, ra- yeah, and right. Somebody threw it up and Piggy raised her hand at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And it happens you know? very quickly. So we don't really. Yeah. yeah. It's very nicely. Nicely done. And it's one of those things, isn't it? Because you do forget. It's quite easy to just forget that there's puppetry involved in this. Right, Miss Piggy's I, just a person. Like, yeah, I often yeah. forget while watching the Muppets, and then every now yeah. it's like, it's like something that uh, my family has actually been rewatching. We had a whole um, series of The Goodies, which is you know a comedy show from the seventies, uh, who did a lot of very early trick photography and lots of playing with the film. Um, you know, chroma key, all all the stuff you could do in the seventies. They were playing mm. with a lot of things. And watching it now as an adult, as opposed to when I was a kid, was fascinating because I just watched it when I was a kid and like, oh, yeah, all that stuff they did, whatever, because I was used right. to cartoons. Yeah, and as an adult, you're like, like, this was the 1970s. How did they do this before computer, right. you know, it's just like, ah, oh, some right. of the, the stunts they pulled because, right. well, you know, I always, I, always, thing yet. I always think of the episode with the kitten that turns giant. Yeah. The goodies episode. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that that looks better than uh, Invasion of the Dinosaurs from Doctor Who from around the it same really time. It really does. And it's a very similar, like it's actually I think a couple of years earlier, but it is equivalent to John Pertwee and early Tom Baker Doctor Who time-wise. And I'd never really thought before that at the same time that John Pertwee Doctor Who was using this kind of special effects for the very first time and they were experimenting with things like that, the goodies were doing the same on a sh- on a comedy budget Right, and it looks way and, better. Yeah, it's just amazing what can be done with the physical. As a thing about the puppetry and the Muppets, you know, doing the physical, the puppetry, it ages so much better. You mm. know, look at all the early CG stuff, even from 
I mean, never mind things like, you know, Phantom Menace um, or even like the first couple of years of New New Who, a lot of that does not age, a lot of the, the special effects do not age well in the same way that puppetry and that stuff just, it does. Yeah, it just always looks real. Mm. Like it always looks like it's a real thing that physically exists, whereas yeah. the CG does not. And yeah, when you're a kid, you never stop to think that somebody had to uh, come up with a way to do all this stuff. They had to yeah. figure it all out. Right. And of course, with the Muppet movies, there was always these things that they do that they've never done before, like the whole, like, you know, um, bicycle riding or the <laughs> roller skating, yeah. all these little things of like, hey, you've never seen their legs before. This is new. And it's like, oh, I literally never realized that I'd never seen a Muppet leg before. Yeah. <laughs> constantly challenging themselves. Yeah. yeah. Some people get uh, creeped out by Muppet legs, but I always like to see. You know, to, to see that the Muppets can do anything that anyone can. Of course they yeah. have legs. Yeah. So, uh, Miss Piggy, very happy in the office here. Um, uh, another thing from that earlier draft of the screenplay, there's actually uh, a song here in that draft where Miss Piggy sees herself in a mirror and she oh. sings a duet with herself about how it's like an aspirational song about how she's taking the first step to making her dreams come true. Um, oh, I think it I probably just... would have slowed things down. Probably, but it's kind of a shame we didn't get that that song. Cause... Yeah, it would have been kind of nice to see yeah, Piggy singing great. with her reflection. Yep. Frank Oz harmonizing with himself, maybe. <laughs> well, especially, you know, and we talk about the, the modern Muppet movie, especially considering that was done to such effect with the man or Muppet kind of yeah. uh, thing many, many years later. And of course, you don't have Jermaine Clement there to write you the song, but still... It could have been very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. To how these these kind of themes kind of come back later. Um, yeah, and and I I really do hate to be that guy, but Brett McKenzie wrote the songs. Oh, he the, did. Okay. Yeah, yes. it was Brett. Jermaine's in Muppets oh. Most Wanted, but Brett wrote the songs. That's that's for, okay. That's very confusing, right. but that does make sense. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even catch that. Good ear, Anthony. Well sure. done. Um. The, the, okay, we've got three sinister models in trench coats. Uh, yes, is, they're, they're exiting the- now, uh, having been insulted by Lady Holiday in the previous scene. Can I just say, it's it's a beautiful transition scene, because we've got the, the models um, talking about, you know, again, motivation. They're planning a robbery, uh, and they want to get back at uh, Lady Holiday for, let's be clear, her insulting them. Oh, or, you know, but she was mostly insulting the clothes that she had made them wear. So she right. made them wear clothes that she then deemed insufficient and had to fix. She mostly insulted the clothes. She did appear to blame them slightly for this. So, so look, I know that it's not a great industry, but I do kind <laughs> of feel like being criticised is just one of those things that actually models are pretty used to. Yeah, it's kind of a think. really, you know, being micro-criticised is one of those aspects of being a model even in the 1980s. And, you know, she actually, as, as we said earlier, she wasn't that insulting compared to the kinds of, say, body shaming and insulting that we would see for, you know, equivalent women now, actually. It was pretty mild stuff. I mean, maybe there's been a lot of stuff behind the scenes, obviously, been going on for some time. Right. I think that's saying, sort of the implication yeah. is that this is a long-simmering... Yeah. Uh, resentment of yes. of Lady Holiday, but but like really, is is she especially worse than other employers of right. models in the fashion industry? Right, and when you consider yeah. some of the like horrendous, tr- I mean, not that to say that in any way, you know, it's absolutely, it's. You know, I'm not saying I'm not on their side, but I feel that like it, it seems like very um, 
very slim justification for pulling a major crime. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, you know, they're they're not really meant to be sympathetic <laughs> no, villains. So. No. Well, yeah. and of course, what we don't know yet, I mean, L- Lady Holiday said that her brother Nikki is going to steal the the fabulous baseball yes. diamond, right? But they're working with him, we, fi- we come to find out. So yeah. I kind of wonder if that, like has played into their motivation as well that like they you know the scumbag brother is their is their confidant their go-to guy in the company it's also um interesting that the movie is just giving us all this information like we saw nikki steal the the jewels at the beginning of the movie now we hear the models just say that they're planning on stealing her necklace it's like there's no there's no uh aspect of who done it to this movie it's no. it's more like it's not a who done it it's a will kermit catch them well also yeah. it's like how is this going to play out yeah because yeah they don't want us to waste any energy at all wondering what's going to happen in the story what or <laughs> right. wondering how the story will uh or how the plot is working it's more like how is this going to be funny involving the muppets right just sit back so, and- <laughs> yeah right how is this going to lead to an amazing you know hilarious sequence at some point in the future yeah uh one thing i like that i had i don't think i noticed this until i had seen this movie many many times so marla darla and carla are wearing matching coats and then they're each wearing a different colored hat of the same style um like huey dewey and louie if you will (laughs) and then they each have a, a hat pin with their first initial I, I like that little detail. Oh, that's oh, lovely. Yeah. And that means we can tell them apart. Yes, that's how you know which one is Darla, which one is Marla, and which one is Carla. D, M, and C. It's very nice. The thing that I noticed about their lovely trench coats, as they are uh, getting slightly ahead of ourselves, as they get into the lift and, of course, uh, Fozzie, Gonzo, and Kermit get out, is that at least Gonzo and Kermit are wearing the same coats. Like, they're also <laughs> wearing trench coats. Oh, that's true, yeah. But for a different yeah, reason, a, because a they're, like, similar. reporters, aren't they? But yeah. it's, it's just this odd thing of, like, they're all wearing the same outfit. Huh. <laughs> it's like, was there a sale on trench coats <laughs> that are both model-sized and small model-sized? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it's just a, it was just, like, a really nice little aesthetic juxtaposition. Yeah, that's funny. Huh. Um, there's this moment, too, where uh, they're talking about the robbery, and then Darla, it cuts to Darla, and she says, what you're going to wear for the robbery? And then it immediately the the elevator bell dings and the doors open. That I guess that's I mean that that's a joke. That's obviously supposed to be a joke. But as many times as I've seen this with an audience or just with a group of friends, that never quite lands as a joke or gets laughs. And I don't know if it's just because Della Finch, this actress, is not a comedian, or if it's just not much of a joke. What you're gonna wear to the robbery? Yeah, if, if the timing doesn't quite. If anything, the the immediate. Uh, effect of the timing is like did uh, Kermit the others overhear discussion of a robbery because the lift doors has just opened oh yeah Yeah. I guess maybe because of that that it just yeah it doesn't really the idea of models I think you know having really concerns about what you dress for a robbery is it they want to make sure they're well dressed yeah it's it's funny enough for a whole scene really but you've got to actually yeah I think I think it's something but it's almost a yeah it, it disappears a bit but that's you know uh, they can't uh, all be winners. Right. Although I do love the dry delivery of, did you just give directions to a frog? I guess I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. So I guess um, it's just and, the, and the timing of this particular joke. We, we talked last week about how much they acknowledge that the characters are animals in this. And there's another yeah. one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
Uh, right, so the, the elevator or the lift opens and um, out comes Fozzie, Gonzo, and Kermit. Uh, Fozzie is not wearing his hat here. He's holding it in his hand. Yeah, I found that, that really confusing because yeah. I was just like, why is he not wearing his Is it, like, I was immediately like, was, did he take it off to be polite? Because it just Maybe, it feels but... weird that it's off already that you don't see. Well, if he's, yeah. Yeah, especially because Kermit's still wearing his. Like, if right. they had both taken them off because they're indoors or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't, like, we don't usually see Fozzie take his hat off when he goes in to a building. So. No, and seeing him without his hat is actually just quietly upsetting. Like, it's yeah, just it, his, disruptive. His, his head is always kind of more cone-shaped than you expect it to be. <laughs> it looks, yeah, yeah it's, it's pointy. I mean, it, it, it was almost, it felt as if it was like, is it off because in the presence of ladies? Like, that's kind of a politeness, except it's already off. Right, it's off before the doors open. So it's not for that reason. It's just for some reason he is not wearing his hat. And yeah, it yeah. did it did actually quietly upset me when I was watching. I was like, why, why <laughs> right. is he not wearing his hat? What have I yeah. missed? Well, if Fozzie is trying to be polite, Gonzo makes no effort to be polite because he <laughs> is uh, openly and blatantly uh, ogling Darla. He even says hubba hubba, yeah. which you would probably not see in a Muppet movie today. Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of feel like that's a little too much. Yeah, like, I think yeah. so. I, I kind of feel like Gonzo would be, you know, sent to a, a workshop to discuss uh, appropriate <laughs> yeah. behavior around just people generally. It's not even just in the workplace, though, let's face it. He would be the one to send, wouldn't he? Um, in fact, probably Miss Piggy is the other one <laughs> who'd be just yes, based probably. on right, some yeah. of her past behavior would be sent to, um, you know, well, and- to, to a workshop to, to talk about uh, appropriate behavior. Well, yeah. and... But, yeah. and- and of course, animal. Right? Oh, yes. absolutely! I'd have to design a special, a special uh, workshop for animal. I think that would be several like days whole, of a whole yeah. intensive course. Yeah, <laughs> which would actually be quite traumatizing for the instructors. Like, that's probably just for the best. Um, yeah, but we do get a bit of a classic Gonzo nose gag. So he does get right. immediately punished for his exactly. Uh, his he gets what's coming behavior. to him. Yeah, that's the thing. Like. Like that's why I kind of excuse it because it's basically just an excuse to get his his nose stuck in the door. Right. So like, while no, he's gazing at at the models and taking their so that's another creepy thing. He takes their picture without asking permission first. Yeah, that's um, actually a weirder thing. I think so. Especially with it's a professional camera. Like today, I, I don't know. Maybe somebody like with a one on their phone or something like that, or somebody with like a small like a um, Polaroid camera or something. That isn't something I think that would be quite as weird. But the fact that he has this big professional setup, it's, it is weird. Yeah. It's inside. The lighting can't be that great. Yeah. I mean, his, his flash goes off, but no, it can't be a very good. Yeah. It is very interesting. It's like a full paparazzi moment. Yeah. Uh, But then, uh, yeah. So he, his nose gets stuck in the elevator doors. Fozzie, yes, exactly. Uh, Fozzie pulls him out, and uh, when Gonzo comes out, his his nose is sort of twisted like a corkscrew. The tip of it is pointing up, and I I've mentioned before how much I love when they do uh, when they just physically mess with the puppets for the sake of a gag. So this is another good one. Yeah, I I can't think if this is the first time that they actually messed with Gonzo's nose. Oh, I just can't imagine that it could be. Like, it just know. seems like something that we've seen before. But it's so hard to tell, isn't it? Because, I mean, I never watched 
Muppet things in the correct order. So I right. have a very loose sense for what happens in which order. In fact, for most of my life, I had it very set in my head that this was the third Muppet uh, movie and not the second oh. one. So it's actually even now quite hard to keep that straight in my head. Huh. Sure. For some reason, and the, yeah. And, and the um, first was, or the second was Muppets Take Manhattan? Yeah, is, yeah. In is, my is head. Yeah, in yeah. my head, that was the second one. And I don't know why, but it just lodged. It may have been because that's how I watched them as a kid. Um, but, yeah, so the, the same with the, the TV show. Like, it, it's all – I mostly watched the TV show after I'd seen the movies. There's a lot of, like, Star Trek in that way for me. So I've, I've watched everything in the wrong order. <laughs> sure. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure we've that's... seen that nose gag a lot, and it's always um, pretty good. So yeah. I did I did find this out. In the Madeline Kahn episode, Gonzo's nose gets scrunched up during the trumpet gag. In the opening credits. Uh, oh, okay. so, you know, I wasn't even yeah. thinking of the trumpet guy. Yeah, so so, at, so at, at least there it happened. So yeah, okay. my my question is, does the Gonzo puppet have a malleable nose, or do they remove the nose and replace it with a different nose when they want that to do that gag? Both That's answers a great are question. Both I can't imagine. I can't imagine that they would have built an entirely new puppet for this maybe they had like an older gonzo puppet and then they just mutilated the nose for these shots yeah because it definitely is not the same shape like right i knew my i knew the answer to the question would be traumatizing (laughs) there's no good way to answer this i just i think in my heart i always think that the noses must be removable because of that like classic uh sesame street gag where Ernie like, removes Bert's nose. nose. Yeah. yeah, so in my head, they're just like, these parts just come off. But of course... I mean, I, I could see Fozzie's nose being like that, but Gonzo's nose, I'm pretty sure it's just part of the, 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 yeah. the sculpt of his skull. Because like, I don't know. They, they any, did any puppet builders a lot, out there, and it would make sense if there was like wire or something in there, so you could... But then it was... it's How would you get it back properly smooth? Yeah, no. It's... Right. Right. Yeah, they must have built a nose at least for this. Yeah, yeah. I would think so. Which Maybe again, like... Separate a separate one which can have multiple noses. Like they have, if they had a Gonzo just for a twisty nose version of Gonzo. Yeah. I mean, they might've built one with some kind of, uh, what, armature. Is that what you call like the, yeah. The, well, like the with, flexible. Yeah. Maybe they built one that wire had... or something. So you could actually scrunch it and twist it and yeah. reshape it for this yeah. and, and any other future possible Gonzo also... mutilation gags. Also yes. traumatizing. Like the whole, the whole, thought sure. of the whole thing. Well, but funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, but also it's like, does that mean there's a stunt Gonzo? Because personally, in my heart of heart, I want to believe that Gonzo does all his own his own stunts. Sure. <laughs> but then I I want to see the movie about what the stunt Gonzo gets up to, because obviously he's a real person mm-hmm. too. Right, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that if I was writing a Muppet movie, it would actually get very traumatizing very quickly. Because oh. <laughs> it would be mm-hmm. just a bit too meta of like, you know, ha- how many Muppets are in the cupboard that don't get used anymore? <laughs> Wow. Aww. So you want to see the... the Go like, full the, Toy Story on this, yeah. What's really yeah, happening uh, yeah. when we're not looking usually to the Well, Muppets. because they're constantly messing with us, with yeah. the sense of reality. It's the thing that as a child I always found very disruptive about the Muppets. Like Manhattan is, I think, the worst example of this, where you've got multiple alternate realities going in your head and it's like... Right. Well, they went to college, but like at what point did they do this? But now they're doing this, but then there's a movie and like are they also in the movie at what point? <laughs> Are they in the yeah. movie about them being in the movie? So which version actually happened? It's yeah. Although I think it's usually yeah. best not to think about it too hard. And that's why I like this movie because this movie actually doesn't have as much of that stuff. It's just right. a straightforward. Well, 
Well, and I think that this one just reassures you that it's just a movie so often. Yes. Which helps. It's comforting. Yeah. Muppets Take Manhattan is weirdly, it's the only one that never acknowledges that it's a movie. Yeah, that's interesting. Out out of all eight. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting because. I think that's. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of why it feels so harsh and raw. You know, like that sounds silly to say, but like it kind of. It's the dark and gritty Muppet movie. Yeah. It's philosophically distressing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Fozzie asks Gonzo, are you okay? But that's where our clip ends. So we're going to have to wait until next week to find out. So I will never find that. (laughs) So sorry to traumatize you further, Tansy. Yeah, no, I'm just going to like. On Tenderhook, I'm gonna have to go watch the movie. I'm pretty sure I've got it on DVD somewhere. Good, <laughs> everyone should own this movie on DVD. I know. Um, so uh, Tansy, do you have any other thoughts about this scene or the movie in general? Or I think you mentioned maybe something about Diana Rigg. Um, yeah, I mean, for the movie as a whole, pretty much I'm hung up on that whole, apart from the nose thing, which I didn't realize was getting me so deeply, <laughs> I was really hung up on the symmetry of the trench coats. Um, And I feel honestly that somebody should have commented within the movie. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say that, I mean, part of the reason I was so keen to come and talk about a bit of this movie with Diana Rigg is she's always been one of my favourites. This, I think this must be one of the first things I saw her in and then retrospectively realised, oh, it's her and went back and reappreciated because I watched so much of the Black and White Avengers um from the 60s when I was a kid like really quite young so it was very formative for me uh and she's one of those actors I've always been excited to find her in things Mm. I've watched her in a lot of stuff over the years uh and she is she's somebody I think she was such an interesting choice for this because she does command a scene she is somebody you can trust to make a scene more interesting than the dialogue presented but she she's definitely actually, does that, yeah. Yeah, but she's also given some quite good material. I like that she is, like, I don't think that there was a guest role for a human written with quite as much cool stuff to do until the 90s, until the kind of, you know, your your Long John Silver and your yeah. Christmas Carol. Sure, and again, yeah. this is probably one of the best, if not the best, human roles written for a female ca- human uh, guest star in any of the movies because usually – um, you know the usually Miss Piggy is the main, <laughs> right? I, but you know what I mean. Like right, often, not, not until probably Tina Fey in in Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, no, That's I true. agree. I That's mean, you have Jenny in the Muppets Take Manhattan, but she's yeah, not really she's a character. Great, but she's not really given that much to do. That's particularly yeah. interesting or challenging. Exactly. Um, she isn't given a central role. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, it really takes a kind of a villainous part really to be equivalent yeah uh yeah it is it's a it's a great part and the whole thing kind of but but she also has that very good skill like we we know from the um the muppet show some actors just did better at performing with muppets than others oh yeah definitely and when you got the ones that really got how to do it how to play it completely straight uh and make that connection and treat it as if it was an equally serious acting job and not say an excuse to just goof around um yeah she's just so just elegant poised and (laughs) pitch perfect but i also do like that she gets to be snarky in this because it is one of her great skills everything from you know emma peel to her her ongoing part in in game of thrones you know she does sarcasm well and she does that sort of yeah very uh sharp 
saying very sharp things in such yeah. a way that still just you can see why Miss Piggy goes gooey over her. Yeah, I should seek out more of the Avengers TV show. I haven't really uh, seen. It is very good, especially the. Yeah, no, the Diana Rigby is a, a fantastic. I've actually been rewatching a bunch of them recently. Mm. It's just no good, good spy drama and hijinks, but it is interesting cool. to watch as well because it starts out much more spy drama and then gets more surreal and strange. Uh, yeah, it's oh, that sounds I mean, good. It's it's very very fun. Like the the color episodes with Diana Rigg are some quite spectacular TV, and because it's on film, it still looks amazing. Sure, yeah. In a way that a right. lot of 60s stuff doesn't hold up. Um, hmm. But it's it's actually really, a lot of it's quite beautifully shot. And a lot of the writers and the um, writers, directors, guest stars, my goodness, some of the guest stars in that show, uh, there's a lot of crossover with things like Doctor Who and stuff like that as well. So that's quite oh, yeah, fun. Cool. There's a Nicholas yeah. Courtney episode in which he uh, he actually gets shrunk by a shrinking machine. Uh, for those who are fans of the Brigadier from 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 Doctor Who, there's a lot of oh right yeah yeah there's I still have not seen some of the later stuff after Diana Rigg left because I was too traumatized. Um, but I want to because there's a John Cleese episode that I've never seen. So. Oh cool! Nice. Whoa! Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting. So it's a fun one to watch if right. you like the retro TV, which clearly you do. Yes, I should um, look for all of this. Yes, yes. yeah. So, everyone, go watch the old TV series, The Avengers. Yeah. All right, so Anthony, any final thoughts? Um, no, I think I got everything in that I wanted to say. All right, so in that case, we will wrap things up for this week. Uh, listeners, please check out Tough Pigs on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all those things. Um, also, you can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe, and you can find Anthony on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. Tansy, remind everyone where they can find you on the internet or elsewhere. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TansyRR, uh, and I also have TansyRR.com, which is my website, where you can find links to all the many things that I do. I have three podcasts. Galactic Suburbia is kind of feminist discussion of science fiction publishing from an Australian point of view. Uh, Verity is an international all-female Doctor Who podcast, and Sheep Might Fly is my own podcast in which i read serialized uh short stories every week yeah so that's it me. yeah so everyone should check those out and uh, if you're so inclined give us a positive review on itunes this is the time to do it we tell you all the time this is the time you're going to go and do it so (laughs) then we will see you again next week for another episode of moving right along see you later bye bye